Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good walk through Wednesday, everybody, here to Birds 365. I'm Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yes, the man at the top was not lying. It's Mac and Mac. Good to get Johnny Mac back after heading down to Tampa on Monday to cover the game and then the adventures of travel in the United States <laughs> coming home yesterday. Uh, uh, but we did get Johnny Mac back, which is good to see you, brother. Um I asked Mark Farzetta, this was my first question to him yesterday, so I'll make it to you as well. A plus to F, Eagles 25-11 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What would you grade the entire Philadelphia team on for their win to get the 3-0? and uh, uh, not that great. B minus, C plus. Uh, but I think that tells you how good this team is. I mean, they didn't play all that well. Bunch of key players were sick, uh, had the flu or flu-like symptoms. Um, and you look up, and they got almost 500 yards of offense. They had them under 100 until that last garbage time drive on defense. I mean, they're just freaking talented. But no, uh, they didn't play that well. Uh, they didn't play that well at all. And they just dominated the game. Uh, against a team that was 2-0. and out. Now, Tampa's not that good at the, that record. You kind of saw that as well. But, no, I didn't think they played well. Uh, and they completely, completely dominated the football game. So I think that's a a positive sign, to say say the least. I'm going to agree wholeheartedly with you. I, you say, wow, they didn't play well. And they won handily. They won going away. They won going away with not much sweat involved. That's a pretty good thing. 
when yeah. you can honestly look in the mirror and say, you know, we didn't play close to as well as we can, and you were never really tested in the game, that's a pretty damn good sign. And you're right. I uh, We'll find out what the Bucks finished the season at. I thought they were going to be a below 500 team. I still think they're going to be a below 500 team. But they were legitimately 2-0 and coming into the game. Uh, one thing that did impress me about the Eagles was you and I uh, talking about the game leading up to it. Both of us said, uh, whatever they set the over-under number for uh, DeAndre White, uh, DeAndre Swift, after his 175 uh, rushing yard performance the week before, yeah, probably want to go to the under because the Bucks are such a difficult team to run on. No, they weren't. The Eagles ran it right down to th- their throat almost as easily as they did the Minnesota Vikings. That's the Eagle offensive line, but that's DeAndre Swift as well, John. The guy is off to a pretty phenomenal start in his Eagle career. Yeah, I you know, he's played two games, really, because he barely played in the third uh, game. And he's at exactly um, uh, the season opener. He had two touches. So we all, so essentially he's played two games. And he's, he's exactly almost to the yard, halfway to his career high in rushing in two games. In, in, in two games, his career high is 617. He's at 308 in two games. So, I mean, it's a marriage. It's a chicken and egg. Uh, there's some significant burst and explosion. But, boy, man, you could write. He, he could have he had an 18-wheeler next to him on some of those runs. I mean, these were just gaping holes. The one play with Landon Dickerson I kept talking about, the Eagles put it up. I, I, I This is... Quentin Nelson in his prime, they used to call it offensive line porn, just devastating. Uh, a, a Tampa Bay defender with a kickout block. It was the play he got injured on. He says he didn't get injured on. He he was fine after the game. He talked to reporters. He said he was a little banged up before that. But it came out after that play. He just, I thought he hurt himself because he destroyed the guy so much. I, I, I mean, and Jack Stoll was was securing the other side, and it was just unbelievable. So I don't want to downplay DeAndre Swift because it's sort of like Brock Purdy, what I say in San Francisco. Now everybody says, and you're a big Brock Purdy guy. Bottom line is Brock Purdy does, yes. Is he helped by Kyle Shanahan? Of course he is. But he does better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, they won a lot of games, but he's doing better than everybody else. Yep. That's how I look at DeAndre Swift. Yes, these are massive holes. This is the best offensive line in football. But he's doing better than everybody else, so you got to give him credit as well. Uh, but I would say, you know, the strength of this team, and my advice, this is where I what I came out of this game. My advice to every NFL general manager is to take a step back, watch how Howie Roseman built this roster, and do it and and try to, you know, try to replicate as much as possible. When you think you're good on the offensive line and you think you're good on the defensive line, take another one. Take another one. Keep taking them. You're going to be in a lot of football games if you dominate on the front on both sides. In the last two games, New England was a little bit more difficult. Maybe it was the weather. The last two games, the Eagles have completely, completely dominated up front. 
both sides of the football. Taken up every team. They are absolutely winning in the trenches. You are correct. But I still think you come up a little short short of giving Kenny Gaywell his credit. Uh, Excuse me, uh, DeAndre Swift his credit. Isn't Kenny Gainwell running by behind that same best offensive line by well, a that's mile? That's what I just said. Run? I just said that with Brock Purdy, you got to give him credit. He's doing better than the other guys. But if you ask me to force, I, I mean, it's the offensive line more than DeAndre Swift. But well, then why, why is Kenny Gainwell averaging six yards a carry? Well, why is Jimmy Garoppolo not perfect as the starting quarterback in San Francisco? He wasn't perfect. But he won a lot of games, and he's not very good, but he won a lot of games. Um, I'm just saying he's doing better than everybody else, so I give him credit for that. But I'm not going to sit here and say he's one of the best running backs in football. It's the offensive line. If you're forcing me to take a chicken or an egg, yeah, I'm taking the offensive line. These holes are massive, massive. Now, he's doing better than Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott and Rashad Penny get it, can't get off the field. So you can say definitively he's better than those guys. But I'm still taking Christian McCaffrey, and I'm still taking all the great running backs in this league. I mean, he said, like I said, in two games, Jody, and he had a good offensive line in Detroit. I was talking to him about it after the game. He said, I had a good offensive line in Detroit. 6-17. He's a 308 in two games. Yeah. Uh, the, the numbers are just jumping off the page when it comes to DeAndre Swift. Um, he has been, I, I'm giving him a little bit more credit than you have. Um, I give, you're right. If if you have to say, which is more, the back or the offensive, the offensive line is the best. But he's doing things that we haven't seen an Eagle back do since Shady McCoy. This is taking it to a new level that we haven't seen in a while. And again, I understand that uh, the game was basically over. The Eagles turned a four-minute drive into a nine-minute drive. That might have been uh, my most impressive moment of the entire game was the fact that they were able to take the drive, move it down the field, take the heart and soul of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so much so that their coach didn't even bother taking timeouts. He said, why? Why? We're not coming back from this deficit. They're not going to. Yeah, he did give up. I I had a lot of boxing references because, you know, you have the Jalen Carter, but it just, that's the most violent punch I've seen since Mike Tyson. And then I was thinking about Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran because Todd Todd Bowles just said no moss, no no more, no, no more. Um, And it was, it was those fronts. Look, they have great players. Jalen's great. DeAndre's playing great. A.J. Brown's great. Darius Slay's great. They have great players all over the field. All over the field. Bradbury's great. On both sides of the football. It's the freaking fronts, man. They, these guys dominate. They, they, we said Tampa Bay's good up front. Now, Minnesota's not, so you could say, all right, well, you understand it. Tampa Bay's actually good up front. Didn't matter. Did not matter. It's not going to be that perfect every week. And by the way, Kelsey was sick. You're not even playing at his optimum level. Um, yeah, I, I I, can't say enough about those fronts. And, and Jalen Carter, I can't, I, I can't. This league doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. 
so many teams in this league. You're you're I I picked on Chicago too much. I can't even talk about Chicago anymore. No, they they disgust me. They are they disgust me. Dumpster fire. Uh, I, I, who who they take? Darnell right? Are you freaking kidding me? You look at those two players and say, oh, "I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take the offensive." I, I, you know, offensive line, defensive line. But again, then there's talent differential. You're on the defensive line, so when I say pick one, pick one. So typically, I'm not going to criticize you. If they would have took Peter Skaronsky, I would have been somewhat fine with it. But they take a leap at that position. The Eagles are just. The, the whole league deserves what they're getting when they get lambasted by this team because they give them a player like that. They gave a player like that on a platter to this particular team. Uh, I would say that yeah, Mr. Card has been pretty damn impressive for the first couple of games. Grading out is probably the best defensive tackle in all of football. Three games into his NFL career. Uh, as good a tackle, if not the best tackle in all of football, that's pretty damn impressive. And his, his play downfield was something that you, you, you should remember for years. Everybody pushes the pie. Everybody beats a defensive lineman when I want to come from behind after not being able to get to the quarterback because you're being double teamed again, three games into the, to his career and they're double teaming out on like every other play to make that heads up play to come from behind and punch that football out was just uh, things that uh, uh, career makers, not that he needs any help, just stone cold dominant this quick, this fast. And you mentioned uh, how good the Eagles have been on the defensive line, John. And Hassan Reddick took a goose egg on the scoreboard. On uh, no sacks, no tackles. Uh, didn't register a play on the score sheet. And we know how good he was and prominent he was to the Eagles' defense last year. Only he knows for sure what the injury is uh, restricting him from doing, but he hasn't given them anything in the first three games, and they're still playing as dominantly as they are on the defensive line. That's about those two big dogs in the middle that are just manhandling the competition. Yeah, I mean, well, you know me, and the pre- I mean, the pressure's been there for Hassan. He's obviously having a difficult time uh, finishing, and, and that's been – uh, a big strength of his, but he, he keeps getting hurries. He keeps getting pressures. They only had two sacks, you know, I, but anybody watched that game. <laughs> I mean, Baker Mayfield was running for his life. Uh, they, they, the, the word is out on the Eagles. You better get the football out. You better get it out. And people are getting it out quick. Mac Jones, ridiculous level. Kirk Cousins was way ahead of his normal level. Uh, Baker Mayfield was just, you know, running for his life and and you see you see the advantage they have 99 yards through three quarters essentially uh the quarterback was scared to death so did they did they finish and get sacks no but i i mean I, they they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish now later yes i think and you've already seen it you saw it in the minnesota game a little bit if you can hold up a little bit, I think it's going to be difficult for them in the back end at times. I don't think they're as talented as the secondary outside of Slay and Bradbury, obviously. Um, I think, you know, they can be thrown on if you can somewhat limit the pass rush. But 
that's easier said than done. That is way easier said than done. And you and I both are a little surprised that Mario Goodrich doesn't even get activated. Yeah, that's for the a bad game. sign for Mario. Bad sign. You and I had him in as the guy who's going to take the most snaps in the slot, uh, fill it in for Avante Maddox. I was a little bit more warm to the idea of Bradbury going in there. But to the point of Mario Goodrich doesn't even dress for the game and Bradbury takes as many snaps as he did. I guess we needed to pay closer attention to what Sean Desai was doing in the practices. They moved him in there more for then than just for show. They actually considered that an option and proved it by how much he played in the slot this week. Yeah, I, I you know, that's one I don't I, I I still don't agree with, but you know, they're at the point in the season when you have to you know, multiple injuries at the position. Look, if Abante's here, obviously Abante's playing in the slot. If if Zach McPherson's here, I think Zach McPherson's playing in the slot, to be honest. Um, so they're down to the third. The really big surprise to me was Sidney Brown. But, you know, I kind of got alluded to that on, on, on Friday that he was going to be in the mix to play in the slot. And he would have played more, but... And he actually played pretty well, but he he strained his hamstring. We'll see how that is this week. It's not supposed to be that uh, severe, but, you know, with Bass guys, uh, that's a bad sign with Goodrich that they didn't trust him because they're doing all these things uh, to try to find a slot cornerback. That's still going to be an issue moving forward, I think, um, because, hey, you know, multiple Doug Peterson used to say it all the time. It's not necessarily injuries. It's multiple injuries at the same position. Um, and they're already down to the third. And when you're down to the third guy, you got to start tinkering. You know, back in the day when Abante was a rookie, they had to play him at safety. They didn't want to. They had to because they had so many injuries. Um, and that's where we are with Sidney Brown. Um, and James Bradbury moving inside, Josh Job. You know, early Tampa Bay came in with a pretty good game plan. Like we're talking about the first two drives, maybe. And they were looking for Josh Job, and they were having some success. And then the pass rush got home, and yeah, that was it. So that's what I'm kind of talking about. Um, pass rush is is the strength of this team, which is obvious and the front and they got to kind of, they got to kind of, you know, carry the back end a little bit, especially until they figure things out long-term what they want to do. Um, and maybe Josh Job improves, maybe they make a trade, maybe they do something, maybe they bring in a veteran player. Um, maybe Sidney Brown clicks, um, but that's still a work in progress. I would say. Let, let me let me ask you about uh, the point you made where you said you get down to that third guy. Now you got to start to tinker because an injury you can overcome. Two injuries to the same position is pretty difficult. Does it bring into question the way the Eagles prepare for the season? I know at least Nick Sirianni after Game One did say well, maybe we need to rethink the way we handle preseason games and the like. And that was mostly because the offense kind of looked out of kilter 
wasn't in any kind of a flow. I don't know that that was an overall statement. I think it was more directed at the offense. Well, the reason that they handled the preseason, both of the Sirianni years, now the all three of the Sirianni preseason years, was to keep guys healthy, to avoid injuries, to come into the season as healthy, if not more healthy than everybody else. Well, you're telling me about all these injuries the Eagles have, so far so that they have to tinker. Do you think maybe they rethink their preseason preparation because, well, if we're not going to be if we're not going to be injury free or injury less than the competition, are we actually helping ourselves by not working during preseason? No, I mean, nobody does. I, I always go back to the famous Tom Moore quote, my favorite. Now that was a high profile position, but you don't practice fucked, you know, and you're fucked when you're down to number three, you don't practice that. Oh, you can't, I always say you can't legislate injuries. You practice, you know, you expect to have if a volunteer. If you can't legislate injuries, why would you have a preseason where you do less to get through the well, preseason? Hey, I'm not saying first? I'm not saying the Eagles, that's my belief. I'm not saying the Eagles don't believe they, believe they can control certain things. And But, you know, how we said it numerous times in this offseason, he's not unaware that they got lucky a little bit last year when it came to injuries. He mentioned it three times, I think, in the offseason. We probably can't count on that again. But from a coaching standpoint, you don't say, oh, let's take so-and-so and play him out of position while you're practicing because you're not, you know, you're well, not except assuming. Except they did with Bradbury. You're not assuming. Well, he worked in the slot a handful of times. I mean, they were that was more of what what Sean was talking about, you know, certain guys going inside, like I bring up Hawkinson and Kelsey and, and, and Mike Evans, that was about situational football. Like if this happens, let's get him comfortable. That wasn't about, Oh, we're going to have two injuries and James is going to play in the slot. And, and by the way, James played 20 something snaps in the slot, which is extraordinary amount for him. You know, you can go back years and he didn't play that much. But Sidney was out there and probably would have been out there more um, had he not gotten hurt as well. So they were mixing and matching uh, depending on the competition, which, by the way, I think is a good thing. And I've said that for weeks with Sean Desai. He seems a little bit more open-minded when it comes to situational matchups. Yep. Um but the, the the play of Bradbury in the slot in the preseason wasn't about, oh, in case of injury. It was about – it was matchup driven. Kelsey's on the schedule. Hawkinson's on the schedule. Blah, blah, blah's on the schedule. It was yeah. matchup. Yeah, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't uh, because uh, they don't practice fucked. You just told me teams don't practice fucked. Yeah, so, of exactly. course, John Desai's not going to say, well, we're, we're practicing this because – there's the possibility of injury. Well, guess what? Injuries happen. And then you're damn glad that you practice it for whatever reasons, matchup or whatever else. The fact that Bradbury got some practice in in the spring turns out it was a pretty damn good idea. Well, yeah, but I, I you know, yeah, it worked out, you know, because now you have to use him there and he's more comfortable. But I'm not going to give him credit for saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, in other words, he doesn't have, you know, other players at other positions, he's not working situationally. Like if you lose two, I don't know, insert positions. If you, if, if you lose two weak side linebackers and all of a sudden 
you know, Patrick Johnson was taking um, uh, pregame reps at, 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 at weak side linebacker. Well, he didn't take a pre he didn't take one snap at weak side linebacker in the, in, 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 in training camp because you don't practice. Now they're down and they only have a certain number of bodies. And if he's got to go in, he's got to go in. Um, that's the, the training camp's a lot different than obviously the regular season because you have 90 bodies and, and you got a bunch of guys who can sit in at their particular position. And then you're down to 53, and then in game day, you're down to 47. So it's a whole lot different. And sometimes we've seen it over the years. Teams lose tackles, and they lose their swing tackle in the same game, and all of a sudden you got a tight end playing tackle. We've seen that numerous times. That's the, the buyer drill that happens on game day, but that's completely different than – practicing fucked as Tom Moore would right. say. Right, but if you, even if it's just a handful of reps, if you got some of those reps in in preseason, it's a good thing. You know I think the Eagles don't practice enough. Uh, the CBA restricts you as how much you can, and the Eagles don't even take the maximum amount. But apparently they did a pretty good job of using the limited time that they had because they have been able to uh, cover up for being fucked by injuries earlier in the season. Well, I, we, I give the got... Eagles all their flowers. We got to get the ball. I give the Eagles all their flowers. I tell you, they dominated. I'm not giving them credit for stuff they don't deserve credit for. They didn't foresee, oh, maybe we're going to need to play James Bradbury in the slot multiple uh, for significant snaps each and every week because of Bonte Maddox and, and, and Zach McPherson. They get enough flowers. They don't deserve flowers for that. They, they, they got the, you know, it worked out, but it wasn't a plan is all I'm trying to say. That's fine. I'll give them credit for it because, uh, hey, in baseball, and the Phillies clinched the uh, wild card spot last night. Batter's sitting in the batter's box. He's guessing fastball, and the pitcher comes in with a curve, and he just physically adjusts to it, hits the ball out of the park. I don't know. Yeah, but he was guessing fastball. I don't give a crap where he was guessing. If he hit it out of the park, he hit it out of the park. I don't care why. They had Bradbury more ready than you would think that he would be, and they needed him to be ready in the slot. I'm going to give Sean Desai credit for that. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Yes, I see Mike Gill in our waiting room. He is ready to rock and roll with us. Mike Gill from down the shore. Up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. You got John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Good to get your Mac and Mac guys back. How long you spent in Chicago yesterday, McMullen? Ah, glorious time at O'Hare. Um, probably four, five hours was supposed to be an hour um yeah so it was raining you know evidently that stops i i lived in minneapolis for 10 years guys uh, they never everything i never worried about a flight awful snow they were out there de-icing they would get shit out now it rains 10 sprinkles oh we got to shut this thing down i i don't know what the hell's going on but it's it's bad it's bad it was like I was coming back from a third world country, Mike Gill. I'm, I'm coming back from Tampa. Should why did you have to bang. go from? I don't understand why you had to go from Tampa to. I, I, isn't there? A, there's not a direct flight from Tampa to. Well, there aren't a lot of. Believe it or not, there. There's a ton to Orlando. There's, yes. you know. Well, I know here in Atlantic City, they fly to Tampa direct all every day. Yeah. yeah. And they do, they fly from Philly to Tampa. Coming back is usually, you got to stop in Charlotte. Or The problem is that spirit flight from Atlantic City to Tampa, it's at a weird time to get there. It's like four in the afternoon. And on the way home, I forget, I think it's like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. I, I mean, in the, in the off season, I don't know about now, but that's yeah. when I go to Clearwater for Philly spring training, I'm always on that flight. So I know it pretty well. I'm not like some uh, flight savant, uh, uh, <laughs> savant over here, but I know that ACY to Tampa flight pretty well. Neither apparently is Johnny Mac since he's flying through Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take the flight that you get. Uh, I know. Uh, last, you do about it. last night on, on our show, uh, my night show, uh, uh, Chris Franklin was, was I guess, on as a guest with, with my night host. And I guess he flew from Tampa to Miami. He was stuck in Miami. Trying, I said, how the hell do you get stuck in Miami? What's going on there? 
Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that's one I'll never get. Flying south to go north. Uh at least at least in Chicago you go to Chicago, you're you're headed in the right direction. You're going north. Yeah, you're not you're headed in the right direction. You're headed in a better direction. Yeah, but exactly. Certainly not the right direction. Uh, yeah. North of no, anyway, heading from Philadelphia. Anybody, from, by the way, this is not a this is not a political statement, and I I say this to every can uh, every listener here, your candidate uh, sucks. However, I don't care which one it is, uh, uh, he sucks. If anybody can solve the airline industry issues, I'm voting for that guy. Anybody, that's who I'm voting for. Forget about the economy. Forget about the. Uh... Well, uh, that's part of the economy. That's a big part of the economy. That's and, I, yeah, yeah, that's and by right. the way, they hold you hostage. Obviously, you can't leave the you can, but you can't leave the airport because they they don't back it up. Say, oh, you can leave and come back in five hours. They say, oh, we'll be done in thirty minutes. They keep pushing it back. They had five different times they pushed it back, and so you're held hostage there, and you got to buy food, and you're spending. You know, it's like ballpark prices. You're spending. You know, 70 bucks for a drink and a hamburger and fries. I mean, it's it's bad. It is bad. They, they anyway, get going. tangent, sorry. All right, Mike Gill, I know this is completely unfair, but you're a big boy, so you're going to be able to handle it. Um, since you are on uh, 97.3 ESPN radio down the shore. Uh, Johnny didn't have to listen to me rant about this yesterday, but I'm going to bring it up again because you're an ESPN guy. I know I'm in the radio business, so you're you're an ESPN guy, but you're not an ESPN guy, but you're on ESPN radio. So I'm going to ask you this question. Who the hell programmed their computer in Bristol? The ESPN (laughs) power index. Now, we had some fun with this yet last year, and it always seemed to favor the Dallas Cowboys. We didn't quite understand why or how, but the Cowboys always seemed to be rated higher than they were supposed to be. Uh, After Dallas got beat this week, they fell from. Number one, which they had to open them up the season at number 10. But damn, if it only took them two weeks to get them to number one. They had two impressive wins. Boom. They go straight to number one. After losing to the Cardinals, you knew they were going to drop. And they did from number one down to number five. But they are number five. And the Philadelphia Eagles are number six. Oh, Jesus. Can you, I take it you haven't checked, you don't regularly check the power index? I, I do. I haven't seen them for this week yet. I actually, I, I looked at um, CBS's last night. I was looking at uh, at theirs, and I think Philadelphia was two or three, but six is egregious because I do a segment on Wednesdays called the Fine Five Ugly Five, where I pick the five, my five best and five worst teams. Um, Dallas was in my fine five last week. Uh, I will give the people a preview. They are not in my fine five this week. Uh, and Philadelphia for me was three last week. I had San Francisco one. I had Dallas two. I had Philadelphia three. Um, I, you know, I've been, I will say I've been accused of being a Dallas fan. I am not by any stretch. I just feel that they're 53 is pretty talented. I think what we're seeing with Dallas, they're just not a mentally tough team. They're just not a winning group of guys in that team. They have a ton of talent. I just there's something that is not programmed correctly with that group where they're just not a mentally focused tough team. To go to Arizona and lose that game is completely unacceptably egregious. It is 
embarrassing. Now, does that mean they can't pick it up and win 13 games? Sure they can. But I think that game just is an underlining message of this is their problem constantly. More talent than the others, not mentally tough and focused enough. And whatever that comes from, coaching, the players, whatever it is, they lack it. And the Eagles, on the other hand, have it. Maybe, and I'm not saying they're not talented. I think the two rosters are pretty close. I think if you look around, you would say, man, these two teams are pretty deep. Philly has the, you know, yesterday, I'm going off on a little thing here. Chris Canny, who does the morning show on ESPN Radio, he said he'd rather have Jalen Carter the next five years than Jalen Hurts. And he said, you can find what Jalen Hurts does. No, no, you can't. You might physically be able to find what Jalen Hurts does. But the difference is what he brings to that team, Dallas lacks. And that's your difference between a really, really good team and a team that's just Looks good a lot of weeks. Hertz has it. Dallas doesn't. And that's why Dallas, you know, they're going to be in those power rankings because they look flashy and they look 40 to nothing good sometimes. And Philly doesn't have those wins. 40 nothing, 41-7, 70-20. And that's why people will question them. And I think they like it like that. And Hertz is a big reason why they overcome that. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, not Carter. There's an intangible uh, nature to his game that uh, people can't put their hands on. And I think it, uh, especially with his critics, uh, they're confounded by it. Um, And I think you saw it with Baker Mayfield. I said the first two series or so, very early in the game, he looked pretty good. And you're saying, "Eh, maybe they're doing a little bit better. And then the pass rush started to show up and he started to get chased around. That was it. You know, he closed up shop uh, as a player. Jalen has these games where he's not playing well and he's just, I use the term relentless. You know, you might have him penned up for a, a quarter or two quarters. Last year it was three quarters in Indianapolis. And you're like, you're feeling good. And, um, and all of a sudden, bang. There's a play, extends the play. And in Tampa was the Alameda Zacchaeus drive. Two plays, extending, extending, extending. They hit him. You do everything perfect defensively, 24-yard gain at the end of it. Same thing with the touchdown, which I think was 34 yards. 32, yeah, 32. Extending, 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 bang, touchdown. That's demoralizing for a defense. But you look at the numbers and you say, eh, it's not that great. People, they they want tangible. They can't grasp intangible. Well, and this is the story of the Eagles. You look on defense and it's like, who stood out on defense? Everybody wants to give a game ball. Who stood out on the defense? And Blankenship had seven tackles and interception. So I guess you could say. Alan Carter did. But. If you look at the stat sheet and just try to hand out a game ball, you know, the guy at the end of the the guy gives a speech in the locker room, hey, 335 yards, four touchdowns, here's a game ball. On the defensive side of the ball, there was nobody to give the game ball to, statistically speaking. But what they did collectively is what other – what the other really good teams in this team the league lack. Like Dallas has Micah Parsons. But if Micah Parsons doesn't wreck the game – Then what? What else do they have? The Eagles don't have Micah Parsons, but the sum of their parts can get you. 
And that's the difference. You know, I think you look at the, the Eagles defense and you're thinking, who's the star of this defense? Last year was Reddick. He was a standout. He has nothing. He hasn't showed up at all. And their defense has been this dominating. What happens when he starts to kind of, and hopefully he does, and John, maybe that thumb is still a problem and you might have more on that, but he hasn't done anything for this team in terms of statistically speaking. You've missed Bradbury for a week. You missed Blankenship for a week. You've missed your linebacker for a week. And here you're looking at a defense that gives up less than 50 yards rushing a game. That, to me, is the difference between what they bring to the table and these other teams. The other teams rely on one guy being the guy. The Eagles have so many impactful players that that's what makes them, to me, if not the best, right in the top three right now. I don't think you needed a box score. I think all you had to do was watch that game and go, man, that guy in the middle, Carter's dominating this game. Uh, you don't need the box score for that one. If you watch it and you understand football even a little bit, yep. you know how much he meant to the Eagles defense. And he has for three straight games. This was probably his best game, but uh, off the charts, uh, good for Jalen Carter. All right, so they're 3-0, Mike. They haven't had this uh, blowout, three-touchdown, Dominant both sides of the ball. They're pretty close to it this past week, but they, like you said, they haven't hung a 70-burger on anybody like the Dolphins have. And they seem to be perfectly fine with it. I think John and I are perfect. You sound to be perfectly fine with it. Uh, doing a couple shows on WIP since Sunday. There's still some fans that are pointing out that they haven't hit their rhythm on offense. Jalen, two picks. You can't have two picks. It's a three picks in three games. Uh, some fans you can't win over. Patience is the virtue here, right? They 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 haven't played their best game yet, and they're three and zero. Are we looking too hard? I know that's our job. We're supposed to be critics. We're supposed to point out what isn't going right. But why would we force feed that with the three and zero Eagle team right now? Well, it's like everything in society. I said yesterday on my show on draft night. When you draft an offense or defensive lineman, you don't get the pop in the room. But you get the pop in December and in January and in February. When you draft a wide receiver or a running back or a quarterback, you get the camera up on the guy in the draft room. Yeah! J-E-T-S! Jets! 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 <laughs> and those teams can't get out of their own way because they can't block for the receiver to get open. They can't block for the running back to get yardage and they can't get the quarterback to deliver the football because he's probably overdrafted. The Eagles aren't the most fun on draft night when they draft a lineman. But to me, the line is the star of the team. Yes, they have names that Brown and Smith and Swift and Goddard and Hurts, and those guys are all great. But how great are they without Mylotta and Dickerson and Kelsey and Jurgens and Johnson? Look, Justin Jefferson's awesome. He has 0 and no 3. 150 no yards wins. every week. 0 and 3. No, right. no playoff wins. Who cares? The, 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 and, and if your star of the team is your offensive line, by nature, you're probably going to be a boring team. And I'm okay with that. If you come to terms and jump out of the fantasy football realm, of you know, and Brown at 131 yards, Swift at 130 yards, and if you're not excited by that, then I don't know what 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 excites you. But ultimately, this team is not going to be a week to week 70 point, 40 point. They could be if they wanted to, 
but they recognize who they are and what they, they want to be. And they are building to that point, not starting at that point. They're just kind of working their way up each week to, we're not going to show everything. We're not going to play our hand. We don't need to kind of pop the top off. And that's a microcosm of having that offensive line that they can win in a variety of ways. Can Miami in December turn around and hand the ball off 40 times? Probably not. Can San Francisco, if need be, if someone's bottling up their attack, can Purdy throw the ball 45 times and win them a game? Remains to be seen. The Eagles probably can, right? They feel pretty confident if they have to throw 45 times, they can win. If they have to run 45 times, they can win. So, yeah, I mean, this is an early, early stage of a team just kind of playing vanilla right now. It's pretty crazy to think about how dominant they've been and yet they don't have a signature jump off the page type of win. Yeah, I mean, that that I don't think they played well. I, we opened the show, Jody asked me. I don't think they played that well. And you look up, they got almost 500 yards of offense. They, they're holding Tampa under 100 into the fourth quarter. You had the one garbage drive. Um, and they're, they're never threatened. And I don't think they played well. And it's because of the two fronts, the two lines, uh, the offensive line and, and the defensive line. And, and you're right. Mind, they, they, they had a drive of nine minutes to close that game out. I mean, theoretically, yeah. they could have scored twice in nine minutes. They could have scored a touchdown, threw a, a throw, you know, a couple passes down the field, bang, bang, scored, held Tampa Bay to a punt, got the ball back, and probably tried to score again if they so chose to. They it, ran the ball for nine minutes and is, ran the clock out. Everything is so, I guess it's fantasy football. I don't know. I'll ask you guys. But everything is so punctuated on statistics to the point, I love them. My buddy Ed Kratz is like, why isn't Swift getting the ball in the fourth quarter? He kept saying, you know, he's the hot hand. The game's over, I'm saying. You know, you, you want to you, you leave, and they have the nine-minute drive without the guy getting 130 yards. Why? Because you can. It might not be 30 yards. It might be six yards a clip or whatever, and they keep moving the chains, and they're trying to get the hell out of here with a team stricken with the flu with a W. I, I, but, but people are so stats-obsessed. I'll agree, I'll, agree I'll agree with Ed Kratz without agreeing with Ed Kratz. Why does Kenny Gainwell merit this trust? Because he's been here longer? Has DeAndre Swift seemed to be a guy who was less than trustworthy? In well, the fourth quarter, that's... it seems like they're giving it to Kenny Gainwell just because they trust Kenny Gainwell. Well, a, a typical... Why over DeAndre Swift? Well, they did. They started the season. They certainly trusted Kenny Moore, and part of it is because they know him, they trust him, and it, that's a, developed a bond. DeAndre, because of the way he's uh, played, that's a better question for a different week because I think if the game was close, I think he would have been in a game. I think they were resting him in that well, game. And keep in mind, guys, one of the problems with Swift has been he, he's been hurt. He, so why subject him to possibly getting hurt in yeah, a game I think you have in hand? Oh, you know, Kenny Game was a crash test dummy in that fourth quarter. No, he's now the second back. So now he closes. It's a blowout game, not not a blowout. You know, their two-touchdown game is blowout as a blowout can be in the NFL. Um, he's the second back. The second back finishes in that instance. I'm I'm surprised more. 
Maybe they didn't rest him as well and put Penny in. I think it has to. I, right. I think it has to do with maybe the style that Gainwell brings to the table. If the first three quarters Swift was hitting you for eight yards, and then you had a Legarrette Blunt type of back pounding you in the fourth, wearing you down, we might be more. Hey, that makes sense. But because Gainwell was perceived. He's not a big physical back that's wearing you down. We're like, well, why is he getting these fourth quarter touches? I think if his style was different, we'd probably understand and accept it more. It's almost that Gainwell. Well, his size. They do trust him, to Jody's point. They do trust him. But I don't think that's what it was about in this particular fourth quarter. I was a little surprised. I guess it's just the way the game played out. I mean, they really, 16 carries for Swift, 14 for Gainwell. I mean, it was almost a 50-50 split. And I guess that's just because because of that nine-minute drive. Right, the way the game kind of played out. Nick spent a long time talking about that after the game. He's like, look, because people get upset about the run-pass ratio. I say I tell Jody all the time, tell me what the score is in the fourth quarter, right. and I'll tell you what the run pass ratio. Sure, Nick sure, was sure. explaining that. He's like, Look, we had a nine minute drive. Yep. I mean, that's that's what you're trying to do. Get the hell out of there with a yeah. win. I I yeah, I didn't the, Well, that's where, like John, I, I think early in the camp you could say whoever was going to be the guy, and then Penny is the big physical guy that maybe runs the game out in the fourth quarter. And obviously, Penny has essentially yeah. no role on this team. I got to imagine that Penny, when Boston Scott's healthy, is probably waiting for the uh, the guy to ask for his playbook. And oh, yeah, by I the mean, way, he's, he's here for an injury. Right? To, to your point, John, about sometimes statistics being misleading. The Eagles were not great in the red zone the other day. I think they finished no. up one for five. Well, one of those ones was the last drive. Whereas Mike said, if they wanted yeah. to, they probably could have scored, probably going to stop. Probably get the ball back. No, they wanted to finish the game. They wanted to take the nine minutes off the clock. And they did just that. That drive couldn't have been more successful, even though they didn't score at the end of it. I don't think you could ask for anything more than that, but it shows up on the stat sheet as another failed entrance into the red zone. That's why you got to sometimes give these stats context. And Jody, you know, we complain a lot about the defense and now this game, not so much, but, you know, in the past, the, the the soft defenses. You know, I thought one of the big stories in the Minnesota game, and it kind of was a little bit the other day, is when teams are down, they've got to go on these 10, 11, 12, 9, 9 to 12 play drives, and they're chewing up five, six minutes of the clock just to try to get back into the game. And even if they do score a touchdown, you've killed six minutes of the clock because you're trying to, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 plays. And the premise of the defense is in a 9, 10, 11, 12 play drive, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to go offside. You're going to get a holding penalty. You're going to fumble the ball. You're going to throw an interception. If you keep giving teams 9, 10, 11, 12 plays, eventually they're going to make a mistake that plays in your hand. Or they're going to take up so much time just to try to get sick. And if they take up nine minutes and only end up with three, the Eagles say, eh, you might have got a bunch of yards on us. They do it the opposite on offense. They're going 9, 10, 11, 12. The difference is they don't make a whole heck of a lot of mistakes on, yeah. on when they have the ball. And you talk about the red zone. A.J. Brown's got to catch that pass. I mean, that's a touchdown, right? That's right through his hands. Yeah, he they didn't that he probably. So, you know, I think in a game in November, a little bit more polish, a little bit more timing, a little bit more rhythm. You know, Hurts had to throw that ball over to safety, but I think Brown makes that catch 9.9 out of 10. He probably catches the other ball. 
So I think they're still kind of getting their rhythm and timing in that red zone, which is a lot more rhythm and timing, you know, in that area where it's a short area of the field than the rest of the field. Yeah, well, you know, like Jody pointed out, I mean, this team's so good. What do you do other than nitpick at this stage? You have to nitpick certain things, and there's certain things more valid than others. Um, And you're right. They got to make certain plays in the red zone. Um, I don't think they use enough motion in the red zone to, to help, you know, open up some things. And that's been an issue since Nick Sirianni's gotten here. But getting back to that last drive, because I just looked it up, 922, all right? It's called four-minute offense in the NFL for a reason. You're trying to run out the clock, and they say, if there's four minutes left, let's run this thing out and get the hell out of it. They read 922 offense, which nobody has. And people are complaining about Kenny Gainwell. He touched it eight times, uh, ran it eight times on that drive. A, it's successful, so what are you complaining about? B, as you mentioned, Mike, they look at the box score after the game. Why is he getting 14 touches and DeAndre's only getting 16? He's got the hot hand. Well, eight of them came on that last drive. It was 16 to, to six. Mm-hmm. And then it makes more sense. And yeah, that's but, what Nick yeah, was but, trying to explain. Yeah, but. And uh, we're going back to the trust thing that he's the high leverage back, whatever. That fourth down call in the red zone, first possession of the game. What the hell was that? That was terrible. Well, what, that's. What, you know, are, what are you going between the tackles with Kenny Gainwell? I know they love their offensive line and well, they should. But you haven't established dominance yet, and you're going to go for it on fourth down, and you're going to do a dive with Kenny Gainwell there? I'm sorry. That's just a flat-out bad uh, play call, John. Well, they can – I mean, they do think he's their best short yardage back. And to Mike's point, um, he doesn't – you know, people don't think of him as a short yardage back because of his size. Um, And maybe that should be Penny's role, or maybe people projected that to be Penny's role. And it's turned out to be his role. Um, so that stuff is valid. Uh, uh, should he be in that position? Probably not. But they think he's their best option for that particular position. And maybe you do call something else. Um, and the play calling is about, you know, if the offensive line executes on that play, which they usually do, they probably get the first down and nobody's talking about it. So, again, play calling's results, not – that's a bad play call. It's a bad result. Was it a bad play call? I don't know. With that offensive line, that's what I would do, uh, typically. And I'm gonna. And if I if that's my, my mentality, that's the Eagles' mentality. They're gonna get it more often than they don't get it, and they're gonna have the advantage over the large sample size. That's their philosophy. Um, but I trust that offensive line. I can't blame them for trusting that offensive line. That doesn't mean they're gonna be a hundred percent perfect. Nobody's a hundred percent perfect. Um, but it gets back to the whole point. If I'm and Mike, I think I said this on your show and I said it today. Every NFL GM should should replicate what the Eagles are trying to do. Easier said than done. But it and here's how I describe it. If you think you have a good offensive line or a good defensive line and you're feeling back, and you're kicking back in your chair, and you're a GM and saying, I'm done. Now, take another one. Take That's when you take another one. That's when you take another one. To the point where I go, with this defensive front, I guarantee the Eagles aren't happy with their offensive line because they're not as deep as they typically are. 
they're going to take another one next year. Um, and people are going to be pissed out about And I'm talking about premium draft picks. People are probably going to be pissed off about it because there's going to be a receiver there or a back there. And they're going to be pissed off about it. With this defensive front, I look at it and say, I, I mean, they don't even have enough time for these guys, enough reps to play for these guys, but they keep taking them and they keep adding them. And it, it, it's amazing to me that people don't replicate what the Eagles do. Well, it, goes back to what, it goes back to what we were, I said earlier about draft day. It's better to be boring on draft day. Look, I mean, Minnesota is the poster child. Jefferson might break a record this year, and Kirk Cousins might break Peyton Manning's passing record this year, and they're 0-3. You know, <laughs> you know, you can have the fantasy stats and all the stats, and this receiver is this, and that. That's, if it's 0-3 – it's not getting it done, and they're they can't get it done on the offensive line. That team for years, the Giants can't get the offensive line fixed for years. Philadelphia people complaining because it doesn't look pretty. Their offensive line keeps getting it done, and they can do it in a multitude we're, of ways. I'm we're, sure. we're going to be talking. I mentioned this on your show as well. We're going to be talking about Cam Jurgens. We're going to be talking about another heir apparent to Jason Kelsey at center because Cam's going to be so good at right guard. Right. People are going to say, oh, you can't move him. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. I imagine in four or five weeks, I'll be sitting in this window here, and we'll be talking about, holy mackerel, they threw for 360 yards and three touchdowns, and you know they got everybody involved in the game. I feel like they can pick and choose how. Yeah, that game when. will come. I don't know when, but it will come. I, I just hope it doesn't come against the Dolphins when the Dolphins throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. It could be that kind of a game. All right, uh, Mike Gill, I'm going to ask you to make a prediction. I'm going to give you my opinion, which will probably attempt to influence your opinion. Um, <laughs> John John is singing the praises as well he should of the Eagles' defensive line, that they have been dominant through the first three games. Take another one, Howie. All right. If I were to rate the Eagles' defensive linemen to this point on their level of play, I'm not pro football focused, but I have my own two eyes, and here's how I would rate them. The top six Eagles defensive linemen are five defensive tackles. Carter, Davis, uh, our, our veteran stud star Fletcher Cox, uh, Milton Williams, and Marlon Tuipolotu, who got the only clean sack by himself in the game the other day. Eagles had two sacks. Marlin had one of them. Josh Sweat would be in that group. I'm not saying Josh is sixth. He's somewhere in that top uh, top six. And put him between whatever defensive tackles you need. Hassan Reddick's not in that group. Brandon Graham's not in that group. Um, they're, they're, Nolan Smith finally got on the field. I was glad to see Nolan make a play the other day. They you got stuck a him in for a couple of snaps. I was uh, very happy to see that. And Oh, by the way, Derek Barnett's still on the team. Um, although you might not have noticed. Uh, so who are going to be the star guys? Is there anyone who's going to step up, not named Josh Sweat, on the outside, on the edge, who's going to have a big game for the Eagles this week? Probably not. No, I, I don't think Reddick. I think Reddick's still kind of uh, feeling his way with this thumb problem, and that might take half the season, I would imagine. I would imagine that's going to take him at least to the bye week to kind of – 
get done from this whole situation. Sweat, I actually took him over 0.75 sacks. I thought he would get one the other night. He didn't. Um, but you're right. The funny part is you just named six guys, and then Graham and Reddick weren't involved in those six. How many other teams can name six defensive linemen on their team, period, let alone ranking six defensive linemen? And you mentioned Tui Pelotu. He got a sack. He only played eight snaps. Contavious Street played, yeah. I think, four snaps in the game, and he would be a guy. If you had a team that played and started Contavious Street and Marlon Tui Pelotu, that defense would probably be pretty good. Here, <laughs> they're getting 12 snaps. So, yeah, ranking these guys, Sweat right now is the is the one-edge guy that's giving you something, but they get so much push from up the middle from Carter, and Davis just absolutely throws guys all over the place. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to I, see the That safety – I, I was just watching that play. The safety, Nicholas Morrow, sort of, first of all, he's he's better than people give him credit for. Yeah. Um, he's smart. For, he, he, he saw, all right, Jordan, Jordan's the big man in the middle. They're going to double team him. Sure enough, they tried to double team him. And, and Morrow just went the backside, slicing through. But it looked on, on the first play, if you slow it down, Tampa Bay does a great job They on Jordan Davis. The left guard got a step out. They got the angle on him. It looks like a great double team. And by the time the play was over, both of those guys were two yards in the end zone. Yeah. He just, he they had the angle on him, and he just pushed them back. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Right. It's not the stack. It's they're pushing the interior so far back that the quarterback has to get off his spot. And that's, you know, it's not a sack. I don't know. I saw a stat yesterday. I think the Eagles sent this out about Carter. He's second in defensive tackles in pressures. He has 15 pressures this year. Number one is Hargrave. He has 18. Hargrave's played 130 snaps to Carter's 89. So he's yeah. got 15 pressures in 89 snaps. Hargrave leads the league with 18 but he's played 130 snaps to get them. Right. And, and and by the way, Javon's a great player, but Javon is not good versus the run. Jalen Carter is good versus the run. Um, they, uh, it, it's amazing. They lose two Pro Bowl level players, uh, one on the offensive line, one on the defensive line. Isaac Sayamalu, Javon Hargrave. They got better. They got better. They got better. Well, Davis is taking a big step. Yeah. Jalen, right. Jalen Carter, Davis is taking a big step. And Cam Jurgens has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and those two big dogs seem to like to play together. They like to play off each other, and they've done just that. All right, Mike Gill, we didn't even ask you at the top. I'm seeing light blue. It's not a big enough camera shot. What do we got on today? No, uh, this is uh, – this is another uh, – I think I wore, wore the blue version last week, uh, bar down the shore. I have long sleeve. I only have two long sleeves. I'm outside today. So this yeah, is Robert Chili. Margate. Chili. Finally uh, chili. My buddy owns this place in Margate, long sleeve. What's the name of it? Go. 
Robert's place in Margate. It's on Essex is, Avenue. Is, is the guy's name, name Robert, or did he buy it? And it was already no gone. big Rob. He, the 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 family's had it since the seventies. It's a little place in Margate. It's about the people who have been to Margate uh, know it. The wings are outstanding. Clams Casino, fantastic. It's tiny though, real tiny. Got to got to get a little elbow grease to fit in there, Jody. And then why did they let you in? No, that's just an uncalled for shot. I shouldn't have gone there. Sorry, Mike. Uh, MG, always a pleasure, brother. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. See you. Thanks, Mike. From the Sports Bash uh, 97.3 ESPN Radio down the shore. All right, Johnny Mac, Jordy Mac, coming back. We'll get Brandon Lee Gowton, or so we hope. The LG kind of slept through on us yesterday. said he had phone issues. Uh, we are planning on having uh, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation join us in just about 15 minutes from now. So keep it right here on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, Kerry on Bird Street 65, a middle of the week Wednesday edition. Um, John, I'm sure you're going to get some new information today, not complete information today, because even if they have complete information, they're not going to share it because the competitive advantage is still very much top shelf uh, way of doing things for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but they did have a couple of guys leave the game. You said earlier you saw Dickerson in the locker room and he seemed absolutely fine. So they kept him out just precautionary in the second half if he wasn't all that injured? Yeah, seems that way. I mean, he was completely fine, um, happy, um, you know, talking to reporters, um, um, you know, was a knee contusion. I thought he banged his knees on that play, banged knees on that play because he absolutely destroyed um, – uh, but he said, no, it, it happened somewhere else in the game. Um, and we'll see. We have to get an estimated injury report today. Obviously, Nick Sirianni's not going to say nothing, uh, anything. We know that. But they do have to issue an estimated injury report. I'm I'm not as concerned with Landon as Sidney Brown, especially on a short week um, with a hamstring. Just, you know, those things are tricky. Um, and Justin Evans, obviously with, uh, that's a, probably the biggest one. Um, cause he's, he's played well, um, he left the game early, so you didn't get to see him, but, um, as a whole, you know, he's one of the biggest surprises I would say on the team. I think not many people looked at him and said, he's going to be a big part of this defense, but he has been. So, um, but they're, you know, they're, at safety, they're kind of deep in general because um, Terrell they, Edmonds. They need to be because they got two guys that are questionable. Well, and yeah, Sydney. So if you have two, we just talked about multiple injuries at the same position. Then all of a sudden, you're really light um, um, per per games, and you don't want to be in that position because you get one tweak of an ankle, and all of a sudden, you got somebody playing out of position. Um, but that's the NFL. You got to persevere. All right. The other injury uh, is of note is not someone who got hurt on Monday, but missed the game because of injury. And that's Quez Watkins. Alameda Zacchaeus stepped in and did Quez like things better than Quez does Quez like things. Um, both of the big catches that he made were adjustment routes they didn't go quite the way that they were scheduled to go it was jailing out of the pocket trying to create and lamade a got open and b made the catch both times which is pretty damn good sign he's supposed to be a possession receiver coming out of the slot they made two plays downfield 38 yards 28 yards that's pretty damn good for getting down the field for just a possession receiver out of the slot if uh, quez is ready to go Alameda still going to be out there for a good number of snaps, John? Um, I don't think so because they just don't have enough sort of time uh, to use those. You know, they have so many weapons um, and it hasn't. And I know that's why people get upset because they haven't been explosive enough offensively. It's interesting to me. I think Alameda might be a better receiver. So, you know, you start talking about should he be the third receiver over Quez Watkins. Now, they consistently say, very similar to the discussion we had 
with Kenny Gainwell. I don't. It's not trust necessarily in this instance, but it's more of a trait, and that they like the speed he brings to the field, and and they like it because it it opens. You know, you have to respect it, and and it opens up some things underneath. But you know, we talked about Quest for two years now. I don't see a lot of production there. Um, and Alameda gets one opportunity. He's making two big plays. Um, and they were off schedule plays. Yep. Um, which tells you, you know, he's in concert with the quarterback. He understands the situation. Um, yeah, I think that should be open for discussion. I think Alameda might be a better receiver. Um, than Quez Watkins. And here's the other thing about, and I understand the whole concept of what Quez brings to the table and how that plays as a balancing act for both Brown and Smith on the outside. If Brown and Smith weren't guys who I think could get deep on their own, I would completely understand it, that you need a guy who stretches the defense so as just to give you a little bit more room for your two outside receivers I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith can both get long on their own. I, I, It isn't like those guys are purely 10 to 15-yard receivers. But that's well, Devontae won 64 yards the week before, uh, and he had a 50-yard game uh, the week before. So, yeah, I mean, they can both get deep. A.J., bunch of deep touchdowns last season. Exactly. Yeah, I mean – so yeah, the, I'm with the you. Whole, that's why the I say. whole what Quez brings to the table to balance the equation, all you got to do is shift the equation a little bit, believing that Smith and Brown, got, and then you got a guy in the slide who can do things like uh, uh, Zacchaeus. Well, it's can. funny how things morph because defensively we're talking about moving Bradbury in the slot. You know, the mm-hmm. whole thought process behind that is, well, let's get our best 11 on the field. And you say, all right, a lot of people say that makes sense. And then, well, then why isn't it work on the offense? Well, get your best 11 on the field, you know? I, I, it, it, that's a, you know, a, a fluid thing um, when it comes to um, how you formulate. And it really comes down to how you feel uh, during a given week. And as I said, defensively, like that's a real bad sign for Mario Goodrich um, than anything else. Because you're going to need roster spots upcoming when Braden Mann has to be added to the roster, although he only had one punt. It went, I think, 38 yards. So who knows? They might turn that over again. Um, And let me ask about that punt before you go on. Um, I had forgotten. Once I saw him punt, I remembered immediately that's how he punted because I watched him do it for the Jets. (laughs) He, uh, He goes quick release. He's not one of those take the big step, extend the leg up in the air. He's a just kind of catch it and punt it kind of guy. And that's exactly what he did the other day. Now, I think he got a bit of a break. It was probably pretty good coverage by the Eagles because that was a bit of a line drive. Didn't have much hang time to it. And uh, there was no return whatsoever. The guy decided to fair catch it. And the Eagles got okay coverage on that. But if if you're looking for him to wow you, Coming in as the Eagles punter, that's not Braden Mann. He's not that type of a punter. He isn't a guy who's going to be booming it. And I did see a couple of punters during this week 
including Tampa's punter. Oh, Tampa. Him. But he was out kicking this guy. We got to talk about Britton Cubby, Bob. That's the way. why I was going there because yeah. that, that's exactly what happened. The Tampa kicker outkicked his coverage. And you need a guy back there who can take advantage of that. And Covey did just that, made a couple of nice moves. He had burst as well. He was uh, the, the, certainly the star of special teams. But what we thought of is the weakness, John, and it still could be a weakness, but it hasn't been. Hasn't the, the special teams hasn't really bit them in the butt at all for the first three weeks of the season. If anything, it was a plus with Britton Covey doing what he did the other night. Yeah. Uh, and and he's one of those guys. I'm always amazed because there's certain players people latch on to, and there's other players they they dislike. And Covey's been one of those guys who gets a lot of grief, and he has been objectively good since he got his feet under him as a rookie last year. And if you go back and and um, you know, I, I tend to hate these statistics because you, you have a demarcation line. But nonetheless, it's it's pretty – so week 13, so we're talking about five games, the final five games of, of 2022, and then the, the first three games. So we're talking almost half a season. First in the NFL in punt return yards. First in punt return average. 13 punt returns of 10 or more yards, which is first in the NFL over that span. Four of over 25, which is first in the NFL. He's been the best punt returner in the National Football League for half a season. And people think he stinks. He does not stink. He is a really good punt returner. He got 30 yards on on the free kick after the safety. Um. He is Did he get 30 good. on that? Yeah, he got 30 on that. Because he, he had I is, that guy. He, 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 I said it to I said it on the air on WIP the other night, and uh you beat me to it the other day. You can outkick your coverage. Oh, yeah. And that Tampa guy's got a booming leg, but he outkicked his coverage twice yeah. on the first punt and and that uh freak. I didn't think he got 30. I didn't recognize yeah. I knew he got a nice return. I'm going, damn, another nice return. Didn't think he got 30, but again, it had to do with sometimes you can just flat out kick your coverage. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a companion. You know, defenses always say it's rush and cover, cover and rush, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, same thing. You got to, if you just boom it and you're letting guys like, like Cubby have space, uh, then you're looking at 52 yards going the other way. So, it you know, you got to, those things got to work in concert. Um, but yeah, as far as, as Britton Covey, people got to start recognizing, look, when he was a rookie, like all rookies, startup goss, Jim Swartz, hat tip, um, he had some startup goss. He's one of the best punt returners in football for those who haven't noticed. Yeah, you should be noticing because his numbers jump off the page at you. All right, E. John McMahon, I'm Jody McDonald. I am told I got a text. The man is ready to rock and roll today. Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, their editor-in-chief, is going to join us here on Birds 365 next.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. We got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365, and we've got the editor-in-chief of Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG, here with us. On, by the way, can, can you believe RVD is back in the AE? How, how old is he? He's like, never going to retire. Like BLG, never going to retire. RVD is back. Yeah. We, we, we love RVD. We love BLG. BLG, let me start here. It's a good jumping off point. Other than Jalen Carter... Who was the best Philadelphia Eagle on the field the other night? Hmm. Reed Blinkenship has to be up there. I mean, he's pretty good. I like him a lot. I think he's uh, proven that the trust that the Eagles put in him to be starting safety pretty much from day one of training camp was justified. Um, DeAndre Swift, if you want to go offense, those are probably the top two. Uh, if we're not talking about Jalen Carter. I'm, I'm going to go Jordan Davis. What if I said that to you, BLG? Right next to him, the two Georgia guys. Jordan Davis, uh, despite only playing, what was it, 21 snaps or so, whatever Carter was at, they played the same amount of snaps. Yeah, they don't play, I mean, 46% of the snaps, yeah. Um, He had three stops, according to PFF, which is like a a metric that they use to determine uh, a tackle that was, you know, a failure by the offense, not just like, you know, these empty tackles downfield, but actually something that stopped the offense from doing something productive. So he's pretty good too. Yeah. 
I looked at that safety, and uh, if you slow it down, uh, and and you look at the first step, you're like Jordan Davis got beat. Perfect, Jeff Stoutland angle by Tampa Bay. They got him double teamed. He's taking a step back, and all of a sudden you speed it up, and Nicholas Morrow slices in right behind him. It was like the old Georgia days with Nicobe Dean. He's taking up two guys, and then by the time it's over, he's got both guys two yards in the end zone. He just pushed them back. Um, the improvement of him in year two and the fact that Jalen Carter just exploded onto the scene has sort of changed this defense. And I think it might be better than last year's because – they're better against the run and they're better against the run because of those guys in the middle agree or disagree. I mean, you know, better is relative because yeah, it's, it's well, hard statistically to statistically it's that, you know, yeah, with the yeah. sack number, it's hard to, but I do agree. It's still very high quality and it is different. I think better, maybe in a different way and it kind of harkens back to a little bit of what you were able to do with Jim Schwartz's MO back in the day where you, Basically, you earn the right to rush the passer. You shut down the running game, and then you, in theory, can tee off on the quarterback. And, yeah, I mean, Jordan Davis, he had that one play, too, where I thought he was going to rip the running back's head off the way he had him in, like, a headlock there. I mean, it's it's sometimes you don't have to overthink it. I mean, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, amazing players at Georgia. You were able to reunite them. That's a huge deal. I think the defensive line talent, not only being so good at the top there, but also having the depth. I mean, you have Marlon Tui Pelotu out here getting a sack. He's your fifth defensive tackle. He's only playing yeah. eight snaps. I mean, the depth of that unit, in addition to the top end talent, I mean, they're just stacked. All right. Uh, since you referenced the word better, I don't think any of the three of us will debate this. Jalen Hurts has not been better than he was last year. That's a pretty damn high bar runner up for MVP. So sorry, Jalen, you kind of said it. And I'll use Jalen's phrase, the standard. You need to reach the standard. The Eagles haven't necessarily reached their standard just yet. And we know for a fact Jalen hasn't re reached his own individual standard yet. Why the drop off? You take as many reasons as you can, put them in some kind of an order if you can. Why do you think Jalen Hurts has not played as well this year as he did last year? I really think there are a lot of things that go into that, including yep. that I think there's always going to be some level of regression after he was so good last year. I think you look at the fact that they played some pretty good defensive coordinators slash defensive minds here between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores and Todd Bowles. I think you also look into the fact that league-wide, for the most part, passing numbers are down. Uh, Ruben Frank had a good article about that over the weekend. It's, you're just not seeing that, for the most part, some exceptions aside. Uh, so I think you just Miami. look at those factors. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what I'm thinking of when yeah. I'm saying that. But, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of things that go into that. And I have no doubt that Jalen Hurts will pick it up. I do agree he needs to play better, and I don't think he has met that standard. I do think he will get there. I thought there were some positive signs uh, in Tampa uh, BLG and that, you know, first of all, he was sick and he legitimately was sure. because, you know, he couldn't talk basically 
uh, you could tell how congested he was after the game. But um, the two plays to Alameda Zacchaeus were, to me, you know, whether we want to call it uh, 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 new Coke versus classic Coke, it was classic Jalen Hurts and extending the play, extending the play. You know the tan the the Tampa defense probably thinking we're doing everything right, and then bang, twenty four yard gain, thirty two yard touchdown, whatever it was. Um, those to me were the two plays where I said, "All right, this is Jalen getting back to being Jalen a little bit." I will admit, though, I'm a little bit concerned with the running aspect. I don't see mm. the same juice. Do you see the same juice in the running game when it comes to Jalen Hurts? I think it's been there at times when it's needed to be. He had that big conversion on a third down, I believe, run to the right side of the sideline there, a third and three, actually, too. Somehow confused a blitzer to think he was throwing a screen and, and avoided him. So uh, not totally absent, but I do agree that, uh, you know, it's not at the same level as last year. I feel like some of that is because he's also sliding sooner than he was last year. Uh, I am sure that the new contract and the need to stay healthy after getting banged up in previous seasons is factoring into that. So um, yeah, again, I think it's early. I think he's going to get there. I think at the same time, it is fine to point these things out and be critical and call it out because I think everyone knows he can play better than this. We've seen it and there's too much talent on the offense for him to continue to be this player. He's been the rest of the entire season, but I do think Monday's game was a step in the right direction and I do think he's going to get back to being more of the Jalen Hurts that we saw last year. Yeah, and I was on WIP late night after the game on Monday, and he had one slide in the game that was just a bad decision. And I get it. He wants to protect himself. The Eagles don't have a problem with him protecting himself. They're committed to him for years. He could have gotten a first down. When you go into the slide short of a first down – and you can get that first down. I think he could have gotten the first down and still slid, let alone stay on. He just kind of bailed out too early, which did bother me. And again, small critique. Jalen's great. He's going to be fine. He'll get back to the standard. But I thought that there were a couple of plays the other night that were questionable. Let's leave it at that. Uh, should we be questioning A.J. Brown as well? You look at the box score. Wow, A.J. had a big night, a lot of cuts, a lot of yards. He also had a couple of drops. And knew full well that he was going to be Jalen's main target after a little dust up the week before. AJ Brown is he another guy you can say that you can say about? Oh, he's going to get better. He, he'll he'll raise his level. We're three and zero, oh, and AJ hasn't even played all that great. Does he go into that category? Yeah, I'm not worried about AJ Brown. Um, it was raining, obviously. I don't know if that contributed to the drops or not. Uh, I think he'll be quite okay. It is funny for him to go out and say that. It, it wasn't about targets, the conversation he had. Yeah, and with, then he's getting like 100 targets. Yeah, <laughs> He had 14 targets. There's only two games in his career yeah. where he's had more than 14 targets. Well, you know, the, the the squeaky wheel gets the yep. oil. Yeah, so, yeah, yep. 14. <laughs> this says it all. Um, yeah, that that certainly worked. And I think that Dallas Goddard was number two with seven. So, yeah, yeah. Is that a concern, you know, because, hey, I think the Eagles coaching staff was swayed by the complaining. Is that a concern? I can't get concerned about getting A.J. Brown more involved. Yeah. And I do think specifically 
early in the game, I mean, they went to him, what, on their first two plays, passing plays, right? Um, something like that, I think, is a, a great way to kind of prevent any issues with AJ not feeling involved. I'm not saying you have to throw to him multiple times, but at least get him involved on one of the very first. It's, it's your best offensive player in terms of a, a passing target. So and if not, he's very up there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that because I think that's going to yield a lot of success. IPLG, you just did this, and uh, you're not alone. Others have as well. We cut the quarterback a little slack because, hey, he was up against Belichick the first week. We cut him a little slack because he was up against Flores, who I think John thinks is like the best defense quarter in all of football because he just does it differently. He doesn't buy into the Fangio stuff like everybody else. And this past week, oh, he's going up against Todd Bowles, and he had beaten Todd Bowles and won against him. Are we going to do that with Ron Rivera again this week, too? Give Jalen a little half an out because, ooh, he's up against a pretty darn good defensive mind on the other sideline. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, their total, I mean, Jack Del Rio has had some success. I think there are worse defensive coordinators, but I also think there are much better ones as well. And even though Washington does have talent on defense, more so than I would say, than on offense, um, it's not that you need to put up 70 necessarily, but I think you do need to see the passing offense take another step forward. That's how I kind of think of the Bucks game in terms of the offensive perspective for Jalen Hurts, Brian Johnson, and the operation as a whole. It's something to build on. You can't just have that be your highlight. You need to make progress, further progress moving forward. I think they're going to have the opportunity to do that, not only because I think this defense isn't anything special, but also because – the Eagles offense, or sorry, the Eagles defense should be able to get the offense a lot of possessions in this game and give them chances to score. Uh, at the risk of upsetting Nick Sirianni, I'm going to look ahead, uh, BLG, a little mm. bit uh, and, and talk about that Miami game. We thought it would be the Jets game, the first real test. Uh, it's now looking like Miami. Um that's one of the few explosive offenses you alluded to, passing offenses. If, if Hill is there, if Waddle's there and healthy. Um, and I bring this up to talk about how they're handling the slot. Now, multiple injuries, and they, they did move James Bradbury inside. Sidney Brown got some work there as well before he hurt his hamstring. Long term, do you think that's sustainable? the way they're handling the slot, the way they did in Tampa? Um, no, <laughs> I don't. In that, I think we're going to see it adjust uh, throughout the season. I don't think it's just going to be Bradbury the rest of the way. I think they're going to mix in Sidney Brown, like you said. Like they, I think they want to, to some extent. If Mario Goodrich is on the roster, I would think that maybe he would be in there. I think that was a bad sign, PLG. I agree, but like, why is he even on the roster? If if he's going to be your backup slot and you lose your starting slot and he's not even going to be active? So I don't know if that was... I mean, the only reason why he would be inactive to me is that it would be a matchup thing. Otherwise, why aren't you just cutting him? Um, So Well, and and they have to get a spot for... Braden Mann, if they're going to keep him in a couple of weeks, the mm-hmm. Dean is going to be back in a couple of weeks. So they're going to need some spots. And to me, Goodrich is probably gone if they're right. in, making him inactive. Right. So are they going to go outside the organization or I, I I'm with you. I can't see this working long-term. 
especially when you get to teams that can, like Miami, take advantage of it. Yeah, I think they're going to experiment there again with what they have. And then, I mean, it's not uh, uncommon for Howie Roseman to make a trade deadline deal. So certainly not going to rule that out. But I don't really know that, you know, that's something that I don't I just don't know that. Oh, we can just get a slot corner from somewhere. I don't know if that's something they can just definitely do. We beat this up before and we're going to beat it up again because John just brought it up. And it's a question I'm going to ask. Uh, don't know that either you two guys have the answer. I guess I got to ask Nick Sirianni. Why is Contavious Street here? Hmm. It, it still boggles my I get it. And John talked about it extensively at the beginning of the show. When in doubt, get in the trench. Get in the trench. Get a, go take another one. Draft another one. Sign another one. Be as good as you can be in the trenches. It'll pay off. And Contavious Street might be an NFL player. He's a reserve defensive tackle. Why is he here? If the Eagles do get in a roster crunch, why are they still clinging to Contavious Street above and beyond that that's what the Eagles do? They overemphasize line play. They believe in a six-man defensive tackle rotation. They were using that last year, and they still want it this year. And, you know, God forbid someone goes down, okay, then uh, you're down to five. Um, they they want to go really heavy at that position, and I can't blame them considering the production they're getting out of the top end guys, and not even having to play them too much. Like I said, Carter and Davis played the same amount of snaps. They're not even on the field a ton, but they give you such high impact in those low snaps that I think you have to um, say that the rotation is something to believe in. And even and again, bottom of the end guys there too are also. So then let me ask this, and I apologize for interrupting. Um, they kept Moro Jomo in the 53 man, mm-hmm. and he's been inactive all three games, understandably so. But mm-hmm. if he's good enough to keep on the 53, isn't he good enough to take six snaps a game? What Contavious Street is doing, they really do you need to have another defensive tackle? Either a Jomo is that good that you can't risk him and you can't get him through to the practice squad. <clears throat> but if he is mm-hmm. that good, why can't you play him for six snaps? I repeat. Why is Contavious Street still on this roster? I think that's something that could change through the course of the season when you need that roster spot. Maybe that's the point where you're like, okay, you know, Ojomo has had some time in here in the system and everything. He also got banged up a little bit late in the summer there, so maybe he's slowly but surely getting a little bit healthier as well. Maybe you flip that switch at some point, uh, again, if you need that roster spot. But for now, uh, they don't. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Jody's sentiment and turn it to cornerback um because we heard all this well you can't risk losing these young corners to waivers which i think is bullshit not given how we all all this flowers today i think how he's done a tremendous job building this roster but if i am going to nitpick something because to jody's point okay i'll buy it but they don't need defensive tackles they need cornerbacks right now and what they're telling you is Mario Goodrich and Eli Ricks aren't good enough to play. So why are they on this roster? And if they're not good enough to play and you're worried about losing them on waivers, let's say somebody picked up Ricks on waivers. All right, mm-hmm. then he becomes Noah Tungia. You lose him for a year, six months, he comes back. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I, I think that is the bigger issue because – they need cornerbacks right now, and they're telling you these guys can't play. 
and I got to move Sidney Brown to the freaking slot. I, I, that to me is the bigger issue, BLG. Am I overemphasizing that? It is pretty uh, annoying, I would that say, from a roster destruction yeah. standpoint, that you have all these cornerbacks and none of them can play the slot. Uh, all these backups. Um, I guess you could say the other end of the Ricks thing, if it's not, you know, a tongue eye might be more likely in terms of that situation, but it could also be, you know, Jordan Poyer or, uh, you know, the exception. But um, I think part of the, the difference there, of course, is balancing what you have now and what you have in the future. And the yeah. fact that you have these older cornerbacks, I think you have, and a slot cornerback who could be gone Maddox next year. Like, you know, I think you have to consider the future of that position as well. And I think it's okay to go a little heavier there, knowing that you, you know, Brad, James Bradbury. But I would say play. they already have Isaiah Rogers for the sure. slot. So we are yep. thinking ahead um, for the slot. Uh, my, my own, <clears throat> my, my bigger concern is, obviously that they need cornerbacks right now. And it's not that you can't project injuries. Obviously that's not their fault, but that to me at, at that stage of the game, all right, if these guys aren't ready to play, we got to find guys that are ready to play um, because you need them right now. Um, In, in the case of defensive tackle, you're incredibly deep. Um, That's the strength of their team. They're building the foundation on that defensive line, that offensive line. I don't have any problem with that. The cornerbacks I have a problem with because now they're messing with Sidney Brown. Now, maybe Sidney takes a huge leap forward. Maybe he he takes to the position, but he's a safety, right? And to me, if you're playing him out of position, that's going to slow his development at his natural position. Um it's nitpicking, but this team's so good that's all we can do at this point. I think I I think they made a mistake at the bottom end of the roster, the construction, and Howie's been great, but at the bottom end, I think he made some mistakes. I don't, I think it's okay. I mean, I'm I don't have a, a huge issue. I think I mean it's, I I both think it's not terrible what they did, and I also think it is okay to question those bottom of the roster decisions. I think that's something that does get overlooked and can matter more ultimately <laughs> than we probably think it does in the long run. I mean, look, they didn't keep Britton Covey, and a lot of people were okay with that, and the Eagles that were okay oh. with that, and the rest of the league didn't go after him. But if they did. Well, maybe they don't have one of the best punt returners in the league since late. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm glad you brought him up. I got to bring. I should have brought him up. That guy is just good. Why do people not recognize it, BLG? I think people do this thing. I, I it's my own theory. I've been working on. I really believe that people hang on to early season performance for some reason, and I think we even saw this a little bit. Not this to the same extent. Different situation, but a little bit last year. I'll use Darius Slay for an example. I thought Slay didn't finish the season as hot as he started it, but he started it red hot, and that game against Justin Jefferson week two last year was awesome, and I think he kind of rode that the entire rest of the year and kind of skated some criticism when he won as good at the end of the year. By the inverse, I think Britton Covey started slow, understandably, as a rookie last year, and everyone got the perception that he's just not any good, when in reality, he kind of turned it on late in the year. He even had a good return in the Super Bowl yeah. himself. Great return. And yeah. it, it, obviously the fumble last week against the Vikings was bad, but um, more often than not, since like basically week 13 or so last year, he's been one of the best punt returners in the NFL. The best. Yeah. Number one in like every category. 
it's unbelievable. And yeah, people don't recognize it. It's kind of amazing. All right, BLG, I'm going to make an analogy here, and I know you're a good overall sports guy, so you get the, the drift I'm going for here. For years, I've been saying for Major League Baseball relief pitchers, <clears throat> shut up and get outs. Oh, you got to have him in a role. Yeah, he's either the ninth inning guy or the eighth <laughs> inning guy or the get the tough lefty guy. And relievers have to have their roles. They have to know their roles. They have to understand their roles. They have to accept their roles. Here's your role. Take the ball, get outs. Plain and simple. <laughs> it's not that difficult to understand. I'd like to say the same about kickers. Because mm. John and I over the last week have wondered if Braden Man is going to be a good holder for Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott's one of the best kickers in the game. But every once in a while, he misses one. And we all have to come up with an answer as to why he missed, other than he missed. Oh, it's got to be the holder. You got to put it on. He's got to have comfort level with his holder. Hold the damn ball, kick the damn ball. It's not that difficult. I love Bleeding Green Nation, first website I go to every single day because you guys go beyond the story and get in the weeds and whatever. How did you not know that Braden Mann was going to be great this week? Three kicks, Jake, not a problem. Extra points, not a problem. He may be the greatest holder of all time. How did we not know this, BLG? I always thought that was overstated when it was like, oh, you can't move on from Sipos. I mean, we saw it last year. Brett Kern was fine. I mean, Jake Elliott did fine when Brett Kern had to fill in for Aaron Sipos late last year. Uh, as a holder, at least. He wasn't good at punting the ball. Right. But That's why yeah, he's not that, here. <laughs> that was always overstated. And... uh I think Aaron Sivas being gone is absolutely the right call. And we'll see what Brady Manning does as a punter. Hasn't really had the chance yet. I don't think it's overstated with certain kickers. Because certain kickers are, you know, they're mentally out there. Is that Jake? They, they trust. No, Jake isn't. That's that's one of the things. Jake is, and Brandon knows, he's a great athlete. He's great at everything. I say it all the time. Anything with hand-eye coordination, he's great at great golfer, great ping pong player, great softball player, uh, great baseball hitter, um, anything hand-eye coordination he's great at. He's not one of those guys, but I say all the time, I could, if you remember Blair Walls, Brandon, I covered him. Mm -hmm. His first year, he was an all-pro. They changed his holder. He was a freaking disaster. He was a mental, you know, those guys, some of those guys are really shaky, and they mm -hmm. start getting in a, a bad you know, phase like it, it's like a golf swing, and mm. all of a sudden they lose it. I think Jake isn't that guy, so I think you're right. But with certain kickers, holding can mean a lot. I just think Jake is above that, and that's a good thing. Um, I think he's in the conversation for being the best, second best kicker in the NFL. I always go Justin Tucker, mm. probably Daniel Carson, number two, and then Jake, but he's he's. He's really good. And I look at this team as a whole. I say that, boy, they're good. To the point it's getting a little bit boring, Brandon. <laughs> they're 20 and one in Jalen Hurts' last 21 starts. They've won 10 consecutive on the road. All we talk about is style points. You've been covering this team a long time. Is this the best Eagles team? This group, two years. I go back to last year. Because I think I've only been here since 2016, the first year of Doug, 2015, really, a little bit of chip. It's the best team I've ever covered, this team. 
Hmm. And I covered the 98 Vikings. This is and the 2017 Eagles. This team is the best team I've ever hmm. covered. Do you agree with that? I can't. I mean, I don't think it has to be night and day worse than last year, but I do think it's just not. I mean, last year. Well, I mean, just... both. I'm con- okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, this, I'm, this this current this era current, iteration, current span that 21 yeah, games. This, absolutely. This just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. Definitely. I mean, at least again, since I've been alive, 91, um, and from my memory, yeah. I mean, the only thing that's threatening it is. I mean, I don't even think 2017 is. That was a really nice year, but you clearly saw the lack of staying power after that. You could talk about, you know, 04 and everything. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's the era we're in right now. It's not a coincidence that they've had that success with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. I mean, I think part of the thing with Hurts is that like even when he struggles, like he has been, for the most part, like he still gives you that chance to win the game. And I know his turnovers have been up a little bit more than usual. Typically, he's really good at that. Even if he's not lighting it up offensively, he's at least taking care of the ball. And that's a really big deal. Um, but I think uh, between him and the attitude that he has and the way that that kind of resonates with the team, and then you mix in the talent and you mix in um, good coaching, it's just they have a formula that works here. All right, uh, two things before we let BLG go. Number one is, John, I think you might have to go gay. If you're talking about the best kickers in the NFL, Tucker was only the second best kicker on the field in Baltimore this weekend. No kicker ever before. Four 50-yard field goals for Matt Gay in uh, mm. the Colts' win. Uh, so give give the Colts general manager a little yeah, credit. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's good. I should have brought him up. He's very good. He's uh, dynamite. Um, yeah. All right, and BLG for you. I'm not going to use the word fear because I don't think the Eagles should have any fear whatsoever of the commanders. I'll use the word respect instead. What about the commanders? Do the Eagles have have to have a healthy level of respect for coming in? And if they handle that well, they're going to handle the game well. They don't. That's my answer. None. Zero. Nope. Zero aspect for the commander. Little diss job out of BLG. I I think you know I've look I've been feeling pretty shaky about the Eagles the past two weeks here. That's different this week. I think this is just such a huge mismatch between this Eagles defensive line, which we've seen, and an offensive line by Washington that is allowing the most sacks in the NFL with nineteen. By the way, yeah. that's six more than the next closest team. Oh. And Sam Howell, it's this a, past Sunday by Buffalo. Man, they it, got abused. And it's not just the line, although that's certainly part of it. Sam Howell holds onto the ball a lot. I mean, he is the Ooh, ninth. Oh, big sack slowest. game coming. Yeah, big sack game. just just like it was last year. Carson, when the Eagles faced Carson Wentz. They sacked him nine times. Like that's where it all started. Yeah, e- right. Eagles are eight point favorites yeah, but, this week. But in between this week and that Carson Wentz nine sack game. I kind of remember the only regular season loss that Jalen Hurts has yeah. had in over a calendar year came at the hands of the overmatched commanders. I mean, that you have to go look back at how that happened, and you just that's incredibly fluky. I mean, there was an interception that was in AJ Brown's hands at one point. There was a fumble that caught cause because the refs somehow missed Dallas Goddard getting his head ripped off his shoulders almost, and he fumbled yeah, because true. of they that. They did miss that call. 
All right. That, that was at, very yeah. fluky. At Brandon Gowton, make sure you follow Brandon on Twitter, X, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, tremendous job. He and Jimmy Kemsky can listen to the podcast. Uh, does it all over there. I do have to sneak one more into you because we keep talking about offensive line, the Eagles offensive line. This is three consecutive weeks. New England, now they had some injury issues, two rookies. Mm-hmm. They were terrible. Minnesota's always terrible. They had injuries. They're terrible. Tampa Bay, terrible. They had Tristan Wirfs and nothing mm-hmm. else. We're talking about Washington, maybe the worst. Are they ever going to face a good offensive line? And is that, again, the detriment to the rest of the NFL? <laughs> Take some sticking offensive linemen. Build an offensive line. What is going on in this league? I would say not a good offensive line, but a, a bad mismatch for them potentially in that, I mean, obviously we saw that what the Dolphins can do. It's not that their offensive line is good because it's really not out of Teron Armstead, but Tua gets rid of the ball quicker than any quarterback by far. And when you're doing that, it makes your offensive line look a lot better. That's true. That's right. And if plus get the receivers are always two seconds. Yeah. And and Tyreek's always open, and so is Jalen Waddle when he's out there. But it's it's Washington at the Rams at the Jets. Jody can tell you the Jets' offensive line stinks. <laughs> Miami doesn't have a good offensive line. Washington again, November fifth. Dallas has a good offensive okay. line. At Maybe least when they're if healthy. they're healthy. Yeah. yeah, if they're healthy, that's it. November fifth, we don't see a decent offensive yeah. line in this. It's unbelievable. It is the Jets' offensive line isn't great. It's more the quarterback than it is the offensive. Believe me, well, I agree. He's going to end up with the Eagles putting up numbers defensively against the Jets, but it's more on the court. But hopefully, between now and when it's only a couple of weeks away, the Jets will have a new quarterback. We they have to. They have to trade for someone. They have to do it. Kirk Cousins. Go get him. That's <laughs> the name that everybody's throwing out there. I, 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 I see it. I understand it. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, uh, BLG, always a pleasure when we get you on. Thank you much for doing it. We'll get you back on in about a month or so. Thanks, bud. Take it Thanks, easy. Bud. BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. Oh, shoot, we're running out of time. we got to come back and put a bow on the show. Stay right here. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Wow! 
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mac guys, back to put a ball in today's show and look forward to the next two birds 365 into Sunday's game against the commanders at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. I, Johnny Mac, you don't have to worry about any baggage handlers or any annoying <laughs> flight attendants getting on announcers. We have delayed the flight for another 30 minutes. Now, you don't have to worry about any of that. You're home, you're good. You've got one job, whether you choose to accept it or not, is up to you. No, it's not. You, you must accept it. You don't have a choice here. You must get Ed Kratz on the show in the next two days. I well, I don't even do. know if he's back. I gotta, right. I gotta wait and see if he's back because he was on, he was on the runway and there was lightning. Um, so I don't even know if he's back. If um, if the plane didn't get hit by lightning, we need Ed Kratz on the show in one of these. Yeah, it's Sam Howell week. Yeah. He is the biggest defender of Sam Howell north of the Mason-Dixon line. Still don't quite understand. And I was getting a little worried because he didn't play badly the first two games. He reverted to being Sam Howell against a real defense Bills this week. So, uh, yes, uh, you, you, you do need to deliver Mr. Kratz for us one of the next two days. We will give... And uh, BLG, borderline disrespectful. No, no no, respect for any aspect of the Redskins. They do have pretty damn good defensive line. Defensive line is really good. It yeah. really is. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of saying anybody's going to handle this offensive line. Uh, you know, they're going to do as good a job as anybody, but this offensive line, man. And now that Landon Dickerson has turned in, Landon Dickerson's going to be an all-pro this year. He stays healthy. That, that's how good he's playing. Jordan Mylotis never played better. He's healthy. Last year he got banged up. Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, or Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. And Cam Jurgens has been unbelievable at right guard. I, it, it's, I, I get it. The Eagles have the best offensive line in football. Nobody's arguing that with you, but you too being a little dismissive of that defensive line of the I think I've I've been talking up, up that defensive is line. Is there a for defensive years. line on the Eagles schedule this year that you fear no. more than the Redskins? No and the commander, excuse me. No, no. And okay. now the so Chase then, Young. Then you got the Eagles going 17 and 0. If 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 no. there isn't any defense, if the Redskins defensive line is the best they're gonna face all the year this year, and you have no fear slash respect for them, how did the Eagles not win them all? Well, I mean, let's talk about Miami. Miami's going to beat you in a different way. I mean, there are other ways to win games. Uh, are are they ever not going to have the advantage offensive line versus defensive line? No, they will have the advantage barring injury for 17 consecutive games. Does that mean they're going to win all of them? No, 
but they will have the advantage, and that's a nice place to be. But Washington is the closest. Washington is, and now that Chase Young is playing, um, I don't know how how um, he played well last week, um, and obviously the other three are Montez Sweat, one of the most underrated edge guys in the league, Allen, Deron Payne. Yeah, they're great. They got a good defensive front. line. I think yeah. you you got to show them their respect, and we'll show the commanders some respect by punching up our buddy Graham Paulson. Uh, hosts a show down in D.C. daily on the radio um, to talk red. To, uh, he wanted to say that word. Commanders with us on Friday. Josh uh, Harris. Who, who's Josh? Uh, what What's Josh Harris going to do? I, I was he here or was it on WIP? I don't remember. Uh, word to Josh Harris. DL. Keep it on the DL this week. Yeah. Don't overplay your hand. <laughs> sneak in the back door. Have a seat in the second row of some uh, suite in the game. On set. You don't want to be out front because you do kind of need the six. That's part of your portfolio, Josh. And if you are going to be overt about being there as the owner of the commanders, not going to go well for you. Yeah. With My early Red. prediction is Josh is going to sell the Sixers uh, at some point relatively soon when he can't get a new arena. Um that's my prediction. When the center prediction. city proposal yeah. falls down. Yeah, yeah, you might be right there. Something to watch. But we got to get to Eagles and Commanders first. Johnny Mack is going to get Ed Kratz here tomorrow or Friday. We do have Grant Paulson joining us on Friday. So uh, I'll be here tomorrow. Johnny, you're here tomorrow, right? Uh, I am here. Um, you're not going to the airport just to hang out with your friends? Or oh, man. I feel like uh, I feel like I... Uh, uh, lived there first name basis with the people go visit now john mcmullen and jody mcdonald will both be here tomorrow right back on birds 365 in two and two you've been listening to birds 365 the destination for the passionate eagles football fan who bleeds green if it's eagles football we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.